Today with Catherine Ruinala. You know, there's something about declaring the greatness of God, honoring Him, hallowing His name. I've been, uh, over these last few months, just really intentionally going through the wisdom books and uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and and just enjoying uh, intentionally partnering and fellowshipping with the Spirit of God as the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and wanting to learn, recognizing there's an invitation to wisdom. And amazing, as, as I you know, was on this journey, discovering that the, the constant theme and the summary of all the wisdom books really comes down to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Honour God. Honour God and obey him. And this is wisdom. And it comes as we recognise the majesty, the bigness of God and who he is, for he is worthy. Amen. I want to just start again. We are looking at Ezekiel 47 and this has been a passage that the Holy Spirit has really been ministering to my heart. And I believe he is speaking to us and inviting us into the place of holy surrender. It's such a beautiful passage and I've been sharing about this for the last few weeks. But the promise is that as this river, it's a river that flows from the throne of God. Psalm 36 tells us that um, we can drink from the river of his delight. In his light, we see light. Hallelujah. And th this is the river, the river of his pleasure, the river of his delight. And as we come in faith, believing that God is always happy to see you, that God is always always delighted to see you, then the revelation that comes by faith that your voice to him is sweet is the beginning place of drinking from the river of God that flows from the temple. I still get amazed. I was up at 3 a.m. last night. I just couldn't sleep. I tell you, I'm like so stirred up. So I got up and I read through the book of Esther again. <laughs> I'm in there at the moment and as I turned the light back out and went, tried to go back to sleep, I felt the Holy Spirit, the, the Father, the voice of the Father speaking to me and inviting me to ask. But what shocked me again was the tone of his voice. You know, I'd been wrestling with all these things that I'm thinking about and problems that I have to solve and things I have to think about. And then the Father speaks and when he speaks, he speaks to me as though he's never known me to have ever done anything wrong. Like he speaks. Have you ever seen a grandfather with a little granddaughter? They're, they're just like, they think they're the best thing in the world. What can I do for you, sweetheart? You know, that, that sort of tone where it's like, I'll never believe anything evil about you. You're just beautiful. You're innocent. You're pure. That's how he speaks to me. Even when I've been like, oh, God, oh, God, I've got this regret and I've got this, oh, I've got that, oh, I've got this. He looks at me and goes, I'm extending the scepter to you. What would you like? You've captured my heart. I'm like, 
And this is the tone of God. And if we will believe it, that is where the river begins to flow. When we believe that he is better than we feel like we deserve. Hallelujah. Because if our heart doesn't condemn us, he is greater than our heart. Hallelujah. Even if our heart condemns us, he's greater than our heart. And if our heart does not condemn us, whatever we ask, we'll receive. And the river of God, the river of his delight is the cure to insecurity, the the cure to fear and shame and regret because his perfect love casts out all fear. The revelation of his delight shocks you into seeing light. Ah, in his light we see light. We'd better just read it, Psalm 36, because it's so beautiful. Psalm 36, verse 8, they drink their fill of the abundance of your house and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life and in your light we see light. In other words, when we start drinking from this river of his delight for us, when we intentionally Bring our faith to believe you are better, so much better than I could ever ask, hope or imagine, so much better than I deserve, so much better than I feel like I deserve. God, I thank you for your love for me. And as you let him speak to you and love you like he wants to love you, suddenly in his light you see light and you begin to realise, wow, This is who he is. This is the beginning of wisdom because the fear of God comes in. You are better than I've ever dared hope to imagine. Oh God, oh God, Father God. And God wants us to deliberately and intentionally drink from this river because out of the belly, out of our bellies are supposed to flow rivers of living water. And this living water is the is the water we drink. It's the river of his pleasure for us that flows from his throne. The Bible tells us that he's our glory and the lifter of our heads. Why? Because he doesn't want you focused on yourself and all your problems and all your regrets and all the things. He wants to lift up your eyes to see his face looking at you saying, oh. She's so beautiful. Angels, come and look at him. This is my son. Isn't he lovely? You actually need spiritual strength, supernatural help to be able to comprehend this love, it tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, because it is beyond human understanding, but it is, it is supernaturally comprehensible. But it's not a one-off thing that you get and move on from. It just keeps coming and keeps flowing. And so we read about the river and the river that reaches up to the ankles and then up to the knees and then up to the waist. And then it becomes a river that you lose your footing in and you are in it and it's in you and you are in it and you are no longer in control. It's the place of lordship. The beauty of this river is that everywhere the river goes, everything the river touches lives. Everywhere the river goes, there's life. And there's 
trees for the with the leaves of the healing for the nations trees that will give uh, fruit every month all the time not just when things are going well not just in one season or another season continuous abundant productivity continuous abundant fruit you it, it's so strange to the human thinking we think to be productive, we just got to really, really work hard. But actually to be productive, we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. In the place where we give ourselves to intentionally drinking every day from the river of his delight for us, and let that river not just touch us to the ankle deep, to the waist deep, but actually let it overwhelm us then out of that place, the river will flow. And in that river, there's many fish, many fish of all different kinds. That is, there's souls, there's ideas for, for business, for life, for everything. It's supernatural, supernatural ideas that'll cause you to be so much more fruitful and abundant and, and uh, productive than you could ever otherwise have been. I think it was Martin Luther that said, I've got so much to do today, I'll need to pray three hours instead of two. But, you know, sometimes looking at this, it's easy to get condemned and think, oh, well, you know, I don't, I'm probably only able to get in knee deep or waist deep. I've got work to do and I've got this. God didn't call us to be a people who don't live healthy balanced lives. He understands you need to sleep eight hours a day. You need to work. You need to spend time with family. And if you think about it, you've got 24 hours, you've got to have eight hours sleep, you've got to work and you've got to um, maybe mow the grass or I don't mow the grass, Tom mows the grass, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for Tom. You might have to, you know, do the chores and um clean the house, do the things, pay the bills, spend time with family, you know, play, have all the things. There's, there's little room left for hours and hours every day on the floor drinking. And I used to think that the only way to be really in beyond my depth would be as if I could have seven hours a day in the presence of God, which I, I sometimes get on Fridays, and, which is really nice. But I can't do that every day. And function as a wife and mother and leader there's work to do and God is not against work and I don't have to think oh work I'm going to do work and then I can do spiritual stuff living in the river is about learning what it looks like to live a surrendered life where he is lord of every aspect of your life so that when you work rest and play he is lord hallelujah and that we are acknowledging him in all of our ways and if we'll make this shift into losing our life to find his he won't cause you to be a hermit in a cave he will cause you to have life and life more abundant where there will be an abundance of all kinds of supernatural God initiatives that will cause you to be abundantly fruitful. Amen? But as I'm looking at this, and it is, it is so beautiful, it's an invitation. And it is the key to revival. It's an invitation to continuously... Give yourself to the delight 
of seeking his face. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. And we come into sync with who he created us to be. And we begin to dream his dreams and have his desires for our life, supernatural initiatives. And it's, it's a beautiful place. And God wants more than just you reading the Bible. And it's so important that you read morning and evening, that you just open up the book and read something. That's beautiful. But it isn't a replacement for you actually talking to him. He wants you to open your mouth and tell him all the things, ask him for help and worship him, honor him. Begin your day. Oh, Lord, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Honor him, love him, and let him then minister his love to you so that he can fill you to overflowing. And then he'll lead you to pray. And as you pray, You'll discover there's so many things to pray about, so many things to ask for. And instead of asking in the sense of, oh, I hope you do something, you'll be flowing in the river and in the confidence that my Father is for me, my God is for me, and we can ask. As he was speaking to me last night, I, I felt like, oh, God, help me, Holy Spirit, to know what to ask for because I know whatever I ask, I'm going to get. So I need wisdom to ask. This is what Esther did. And as we look at the book of Esther, it's such a fascinating book. It's worth sitting down and just reading all the way through Esther. It's beautiful to be read in one sitting uh, because it's such a powerful story. And But Esther, she was this beautiful young woman brought into a foreign uh, a foreign house, the king is there and um, her people are in captivity along with the rest of the known world are under the um, rulership of this king. And she could have had a chip on her shoulder, she could have been angry, but she was, she was a beautiful, humble heart and she had learned obedience. She'd been raised by her cousin Mordecai and she'd learnt to listen to him and to be obedient to him. And as you look through this book, it's a really, it's an interesting and beautiful book that speaks on multiple layers. It speaks, of, you know, humanly, it speaks about husbands and wives. It also speaks about the bride of Christ, I believe. There's magnificent types and shadows through here. It speaks about how God will make all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That if we will trust him, if we'll listen to him, he'll give you supernatural wisdom to see what the enemy meant for evil. Turn around for good. Talk about double for your trouble. This book is astonishing in the way that God brought what the enemy meant for the destruction of the Jewish people to be for their good, for their blessing. Hallelujah. And it's an amazing, amazing book. As you look through it, when, when um, Vashti was brought before, called to become, come before the king, she refused. And so she lost the right to be queen. And they, so they called for more young virgins to be brought and they were all brought in. And they were put through 12 months of beauty regime. Uh, six months with myrrh, six months with sweet spices. I mean, this is intense. There's a lot of preparation that goes on here. And, and 
types and shadows all the way through that. Myrrh, to me, speaks of what was used in the embalming process. It speaks of death. That is a willingness to lay down ourselves, our lives, to come into agreement with God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Not my will, but yours be done. The beautiful place that Jesus demonstrated to us that brings us into glorious, powerful um, uh, breakthrough if we'll learn what it looks like to live surrendered to him. You know, in our, in our culture today in the world, there's such a culture of self, of, of my rights and me. It's, it's like a, a cult of self. But the, the Bible is completely opposite to this. Jesus came and instead of coming, I'm the king, worship me, he came as a servant, humbled himself, washed people's feet, laid his life down to the point that he was crucified for us and demonstrated to us the power of submission to the Father, hallelujah, of submitting our lives and what obedience looks like, hallelujah. And it's a beautiful thing. And so Esther's learnt all her life to obey Mordecai and then she comes in and she she is um, got to the time where she's allowed to be brought to the king and, and they're invited to take anything they want with them when they go. But Esther asks the guy in charge, what should I bring? Instead of being presumptuous, instead of just assuming, a laid down life looks like asking for help. Mordecai and, and, and the the eunuch in charge of the virgins here, I think is a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit, that God wants us to be learning what it looks like to live dependent on him, inviting him into every aspect, every decision that we make. Holy Spirit, what would you say here? What would be the wisdom here? And as we learn to do this, as we learn what it looks like to live day by day, reliant on the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. God will give us the courage and the power to be able to say, as Esther did later, if I perish, I perish. Because her life didn't become the, the crowning thing. It wasn't the idol in her, in her world. She had willingly recognized the power of what a laid down life looks like. And it's powerful. Hallelujah. And you can go through the story. It's an amazing story. Haman is plotting to kill all the Jews. He's offended because Mordecai doesn't bow down to him. So he gets the king to sign a decree that on this day we get to kill all the Jews, not knowing that Esther is actually a Jew because Mordecai had told her not to say anything. Anyway, so Esther then is, is brought to this place. Well, I have to go before the king and ask him. But if I go to the king and he hasn't asked for me, the rules are that I could be put to death unless he extends his scepter toward me. And so she, she gets her, her maids and, and all the people to fast and pray with her three days. And she says, if I perish, I perish. You know, when you learn what it looks like to live continually a life that is not living for yourself but living for him, 
then when the opportunity comes for you to be able to make decisions that are going to be for the greater good, for the glory of God, it's not going to be an effort and a struggle. It is who you are. Hallelujah. And um, so she comes before the king and you would expect the moment he extends the scepter that she'd be like, please rescue me. Haman's trying to kill me and my people. But she doesn't do it. It's very strange. Uh, She comes about and um, as she comes into the king, verse 2 of chapter 5, when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, she obtained favour in his sight and the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther, and what is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be given to you. You'd think this would be the perfect opportunity to say, <laughs> i got to tell you. Esther said, If it pleases the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I've prepared for him. That's strange. Why did she do that? Was she just afraid or was she delaying? Strange, don't you think? Come to a banquet and bring Haman. Why? And then he comes and they have this wonderful night and she doesn't ask about the whole Jews are going to be murdered and killed thing. And he says, Esther, what is it that I can do for you? She says, come again tomorrow night. You know, this isn't that Esther was nervous or afraid because she'd already said, if I perish, I perish. I believe it's a picture to us of what delighting ourselves in the Lord looks like. When we learn to prioritise drinking from the river of his delight, of prioritising his, ple- of, of prioritizing his presence, of recognising that our highest calling is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, as we learn what it looks like to honour God, the Bible tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I believe it's a picture of what the Father is looking for. He is looking for people who love him. Because when we are in a love relationship with him, whatever we ask, it's his delight to do. Hallelujah. God wants us to come out of an orphan mentality and into the understanding that we are loved by him. And if we will prioritize spending time in the river of his pleasure, all those things that we need will get answered. It's like the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't start with, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins. Yet I don't know about you, but often when I would pray, I would pray, oh, God, forgive me for my sins. Oh, God, help me with this. It's human nature, right? But Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why? Because as we choose to honour God first, as we remember who he is and his splendor and his majesty and his goodness, we'll know who we are asking for help. We won't just be sending a prayer out there into the air. 
we will be talking to the one who has lit our hearts up with light and revelation and we'll be asking with confidence and joy and we'll be talking with our beloved. Hallelujah. I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to prioritize his presence in our lives, to come before him, to honor him, to honor him with all that we do and all that we are. He loves us just as we are, absolutely. But he has put weapons in your hand. He has given you wisdom and knowledge and revelation and he wants you to apply the wisdom that he's given you to begin to walk intentionally every day, to deliberately discipline yourself every day, to remind yourself, I thank you, Lord. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Father, I come to honor you. You are my God. I am not the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life and your ways are better than my ways. Everything you ask me to do is for my good and for the good of the kingdom. God, I love you. I love you that we are, uh, we are one together and my life belongs to you. And as we do that, as we, as we honor God, you'll see the favor start to flow. Hallelujah. We have an opportunity to bless God by living a life that's laid down for him. Hallelujah. In honor and in worship. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 